Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 45, season two, episode one of 211's Baseball Talk. My name is Dylan Baker. I'm here with my dad, Chris, as usual, and we are back after a few months of hiatus. We are back, and we're going to stick this time. We apologize for our two-month absence, but we are now back for another episode. And since we've been gone, since we've been gone you became the president and CEO of Mortgage Magnates, and you've also become the host of the Case of the Mondays podcast. So congratulations on that. Thank you, and congratulations to you on your play-by-play gig with Hiroka Kings, which is another reason we uh, we had to take a little break, because you got used to doing that. So uh, congratulations to you as well, Dylan. Thank you very much. Of course, that happened before we went away, but it was one of the reasons for our absence. Let's get right into things that we are going to be talking about today. We'll talk about season two of the podcast. We'll talk Garrett Cole to the Yankees, Steven Strasburg back to the Nationals. We'll talk about the Blue Jays' aggressive or less than approach this offseason, as well as their Tanner Roark signing, potential trade targets for the Blue Jays, and if they're really in a position to trade, and the other signings around the league. We will discuss about 15 of them in this episode. we got a lot to cover and not much time, so let's get right into things. Uh, a season two preview will bring you comprehensive, in-depth interviews from several people involved in the baseball world this season to help you better your baseball career, whether that's as a coach, as we look to have a coaches panel on an episode, whether it's a journalist, we'll talk to several broadcasters, or maybe even a member of a baseball personnel front office staff, as we will talk to a lot of people involved in the game during this season to give you a different take on the game of baseball and to refresh you with interviews while still recapping the offseason and Blue Jays, as well as other baseball moves and news. And we will, of course, be carrying you through the regular season. Are you excited for season two? I'm very excited for season two. I think we're going to be in for a better Blue Jays season. Uh, I know we'll get into that, but I do think we're going to be in for that. I think we're going to be in for an exciting baseball season uh, this year overall in Major League Baseball. And uh, and so with that, that's going to provide lots of great topics for us to discuss here in the brand new season. Yes, very excited to have all, our, all of our interviews on the podcast. And it's already been a very, very good offseason. Let's get into the biggest moves of the offseason so far. This morning, today being Wednesday, December 11th, it was my birthday. It's my birthday today. I woke up. Happy birthday, Dylan. Thank you. I woke up to an anti-present for my birthday as Garrett Cole signed with the Yankees <laughs> for nine years and $324 million. I'm just going to ask right away, what are your thoughts on the deal? Well, it's proving very quickly that the A, I don't think the players have a whole lot to complain about this season as far as free agent signings are concerned, but it's also, on top of that, proving that the Pitching is at a very high premium this year. I know we'll get into the Blue Jays' need to strike there, but uh, it is a it is a premium pitching market, to say the least, to start off this offseason. It sure is. And with guys like Steven Strasburg, who was the World Series MVP and who had a phenomenal regular season for the Nationals, and Garrett Cole on the market, who was very close to the Cy Young voting, I think Justin Verlander just won that because he threw the no-hitter against the Blue Jays. Those were two very solid arms. You knew they were going to be paid Highly, Strasburg signed before the Cole before Cole did, and we're going to talk about that in a couple of minutes. But focusing on Cole, do you think the money he got is what he deserved? I think absolutely it is what he deserved, uh, just based on some of his history. I know he's got a bit of an injury injury history there too, uh, but uh, but you know what I mean for his pedigree and, and him being kind of basically the top pitcher on the market this year. Uh, I I don't. I'm not surprised by this at all. I'm not surprised that the big bad Yankees came in. We heard from John Heyman yesterday, who's been of a uh, uh, Scott Boris, uh, you know, sort of bestie, and and was maybe pumping up this market more. But he had mentioned a couple of mystery teams that may have been involved that caused the Yankees to maybe have to push a little higher. But uh, I think for the most part, he's worth it. I think if the Yankees get 
out of Cole what they expect to get out of Cole and get, you know, uh, 20 to 30 starts out of him uh, in a year, I think they'll be happy with that. A um, little concerned again, like I say, about the injury history for the Yankees, but uh, uh, especially coming off the injury year they just had. But uh, but again, I think that he was probably the top on the market, and uh, and he probably got paid pretty fairly for that reason. Yeah, he had a really really good year. I don't think this is an overpayment. Maybe the term is something that I would have looked to shorten. I wouldn't have got nine years. That's true, especially the injury history. But uh, but you're right. You know, I think the term is the only issue, but uh, overpayment, I wouldn't call it. At the end of this deal, he's going to be 38 years old, nine years, $324 million, a huge deal for Cole and a huge deal for the Yankees. We knew they were going to be going all in on a top arm, and we heard Strasburg's name mentioned, and of course they did end up getting Garrett Cole. Are you surprised that all the Yankees went all in on a starting pitcher, something they desperately needed for a while? Not at all. I mean, you know, with with CC retiring and lots of lots of room in their rotation, uh, the, the uh, hope that they'll get rid of half, um, you know, to clear some room for this deal. I think uh, I think I'm not surprised at all. What I am surprised about is the length of term. Like you said, I mean, he said he's going to be 38 uh, when this deal is over, but his arm's going to be 94, and so uh, <laughs> you know, and that's just the truth of it, especially with pitchers. So it's very very surprising uh, that it's this long. But again. Uh, not surprised at all that the Lazy Yankees went all in. You know what? Guys like Cole who throw 98-99 and have a crazy curveball don't last as long as other guys do that might be considered poo throwers, as you'd like to put it. Um, but yeah, it'll be interesting to see how Cole fares. The risky run is also, was he really good because the Astros uh, pitching coach and their, their coaching staff there? Is it possible he reverts back to his Pittsburgh self, which was dominant at times? but not dominant others, or has he fully matured into this great pitcher? Well, he's definitely fully matured. It's just a matter of, again, my biggest concern for them is injury risk, but other than that, uh, I think he's uh, he's worth the investment. I would have actually liked to see Toronto uh, potentially jump in on these negotiations. I know it's maybe not the right time for them, but if you're talking something like a, a nine-year deal, and let's assume that six of the years he's going to actually exist, um, and then the other years he's going to disintegrate, um, but even if he were to exist for six years, uh, that's right in the winning window for the Blue Jays. So I would have liked to see, see them jump in on this a little bit, but uh, uh, they didn't. And that's uh, that's another topic for probably about three minutes from now. So I will just leave it at that. Steven Strasburg also signed a deal with the Nats a couple of days prior, another long-term, high-paying deal. Of course, his term was not as long as that of Garrett Cole. He signed seven years. He is 31 as well, though, so he will also be 38 years old at the end of his deal. They will both... Be 38 when their deals expire two years apart. Strasburg signed his for $245 million. First question, did he deserve this money? Did he deserve, did he deserve this term? Yeah, I think he did. It's, it's nice for him to have a legacy with the uh, the Nats. I think that's pretty cool for him. You know, he's likely to retire with them and, and say he's spent an entire career there. That's good. He's worth it, I think, just because, you know, you, you've seemed to see the injury bug isn't as bad with him as it used to be. Um, and I know you've got something to say about that, but uh, but again, I think it's still worth it for them. It's not quite as long as uh, as the Cole deal, and uh, and definitely you know it's, it's always great to see a, a player spend his entire career with one team. Yeah, and you know I think he has had an injury history. He's had Tommy John. I think his first full year of being healthy since probably 2013, 2014, something like that was last year can shake this injury bug, he will be a dominant presence in that national rotation for a long time. I am very happy to see that his legacy and stuff 
uh, will remain with the Washington Nationals. Were you surprised that a Scott Boris client re-signed with his team? No, I think Boris has approached the market a little differently this year, and it's worked really well for him. He has the potential to sign $1 billion worth of deals this offseason so far. So uh, it'll be interesting to see how that if he actually crosses that mark. Um, but he's definitely had a little different approach. He's open to every team. Uh, including the current team that the that the uh, player is with uh, coming to the table, and that has worked out well for him. He's obviously had Strasburg uh, signed, and he's played some of the current teams off of each other for Cole. Uh, so I think uh, I think he's done well this year, and I'm not surprised at all. I think he needed to take a different approach. Last year was not a good year for the Boris Corp, uh, and uh, he's definitely completely turned that around this year. Moving on to the Blue Jays, we'll get back to signings and deals around the MLB in a couple of minutes. For the Blue Jays, coming into this offseason, Ross Atkins said the Blue Jays would be aggressive when it comes to the pitching market. The Jays just signed Tanner Roark to a two-year, $24 million deal, and in his career, Roark has over 1,000 innings and a 374 ERA. He has posted solid numbers over a long career and is projected to be a front-of-the-rotation starter with a young Blue Jays team. However, we have seen several pitches coming off the market as a week or so ago, we saw Kyle Gibson at the Texas, Cole Hamels on his way to Atlanta, Jordan Lyles headed to the Rangers, and more, all of which were very interesting and feasible targets for the Blue Jays. However, none of the guys we listed and other starting pitching targets that are signed that have signed are on the way to uh, they're on the way to everywhere but Toronto. Besides signing Roark, the Jays haven't really done much. Have you enjoyed the Blue Jays' approach to pitching this offseason? Have they done it right? Or have they misread the market? No, they've completely misread the market yet again for the third year in a row. And it's frustrating. And it's nice to see the beat writers for Toronto, even the ones that work for Rogers, really calling them out on that this year and, and saying, you know, what is aggressive in your opinion? Because it's clear you're, you're missing everything and you're missing uh, the entire market. Now, it was interesting and positive to hear Mark Shapiro talk today and, and have him say, you know, we need to strike, we need to get better, and we need to get better at this offseason. That's something new for him. You don't usually hear him say that. He usually is very supportive of their approach and, and feels they have swung and missed at a few things this offseason uh, and have to be more aggressive. And it's funny because all you hear from Ross Atkins and his gobbledygook that he usually delivers to us is uh, that, you know, he's being aggressive, blah, 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 I do not go, blah, blah, blah. But uh, he, but I mean, that's all you ever hear from him is that, and and you hear Charlie Montoyo towing, towing the line, and you know he's only second year manager. It's not surprising that he's towing that line in any way. Um, but to hear Atkins uh, gobbledygook it out to us, it's it's you know it's we're being aggressive, and then you hear Shapiro talk today and say we're not aggressive enough. Uh, I don't know if that's throwing his own GM under the bus or not, but I I would say it's a disappointing start to the off season just because. They aren't playing the market the same way other teams are, and they're missing out. Well, Christmas is in a couple of weeks. I assume that's why you got to your turkey mode there for that Ross Atkins speech <laughs> with your gobbles and gobbledygooks. But I do think the Blue Jays have misread the market yet another year. I'm cutting them a little bit of slack because in the past couple of years, the market has been very slow, and I think that they assumed that that's how it would go again this year. I am very disappointed that they did not get Kyle Gibson. I was really hoping that the Blue Jays would be able to get a Kyle Gibson Maybe even Nicole Hamels. I know Hamels wasn't really on the radar. or Not a lot of people were thinking of Hamels to the Blue Jays, but he was certainly a target that the Jays could have acquired on a one- or two-year deal, right, because he is getting up there in age, but he's still posted solid numbers with the Cubs last year, and the Braves are going to be looking for him to do the same thing this year. I was disappointed to see no Kyle Gibson, no Cole Hamels. Jordan Lyles was also on the market. He's also off the Texas. Texas has done a good job of reading the market this offseason. 
but the Blue Jays most certainly have not. Very disappointed in how they've played their cards this offseason, and uh, I'm glad that they signed Tanner Roark. He was a guy that I also thought the Blue Jays could acquire, um, so I'm glad that we finally got somebody. But with these pitchers dropping like flies, I think that we need to, the Jays need to be a little bit more aggressive in their pursuit of starting pitching, and Dallas Keuchel is still in the market, so you could acquire, you could sign a Dallas Keuchel. There are other quality arms still out there, and it's it's up to the Jays to go get them. Yeah, I agree, and I think that uh, you know there's a, you've got a Hyunjin review out there as well. That I, we've heard rumors the Blue Jays are that's their biggest target of the offseason. Uh, they also know they're in tough against the Dodgers for getting him back. Uh, but the Dodgers did say when they lost out on Cole that their their next target is Bumgarner. Maybe that is a good sign for the Jays Ryu uh, hopes. But again, if that's the case, they're going to have to overpay. They're going to have to be uncomfortable with overpaying. And they're going to have to be comfortable with term, and that is something that is very difficult for Ross Atkins to wrap his head around. And uh, and so it'll be interesting to see if they can make that kind of move. Love hearing that they're interested in bringing Eddie Encarnacion back potentially, um, and uh, for a 50-game stint at first base plus a DH. And uh, and I think uh, you know there's a possibility that can happen. So there's some exciting things going on, but I think you're right. I think they have, um, and again, that's only exciting things as far as rumors. Otherwise, they've really done nothing. Yeah, and I think that Encarnacion could be an interesting option on a one- or two-year deal. I would not want to sign that guy for three years no, or more. No, sure. Dallas Keuchel, I think right now, at this point in his career, he is not going to sign more than a four-year deal. I don't think anybody's going to offer him more than a four-year deal. The most I see the Jays giving him is three years. Genjin Ryu, I know he is younger than Keuchel, but I don't think it's by much. So it'll be inter- interesting to see uh, if the Jays are able to sign him, and if they don't, what those two guys go for question for you now, are the Jays getting close to somebody else? You know, it sounds like, even from Mark Shapiro's words today, that there's a few things they're close to, but again, as Mark Shapiro said to Hazel May today, you know, it's what, he's, he hesitates to say they're close to anything, because he's been doing this for 20-some-odd years, and quite often you say you're close to something or think you're close to something, and all of a sudden something drops at the last minute that takes that player away from you. So I don't blame them for saying that piece, and uh, I hope they're close to something because there's a lot more they need to do. They've barely done any of their heavy lifting for the offseason. Um, so we'll see. But um, but I think, you know, if, if they're going to be close to anything, it's probably going to be this week during winter meeting. Yeah, it will be interesting to watch. The winter meeting is, of course, in full swing right now, and hopefully the Jays could get a guy that's a guy other than Tanner Roark, maybe a bigger name into that rotation. Of course, they're a young one. They're next year. We're probably going to see Trent Thornton in there. Ryan Barucki, if he's healthy, will be back in that rotation, I would assume. Uh, Chase Anderson recently acquired Matt Shoemaker, who started off great last year for the Blue Jays, and then tore his ACL. We should see him back in that Blue Jays rotation as well. Right now, I will let you give your prediction for the Blue Jays rotation come opening day. Well, I think you've got Roark starting number one right now. And then uh, I don't know who you have number two. Uh, we've seen a couple opinions out there uh, about Chase, but I, I kind of think you put uh, Shoemaker there. I know the injuries and everything, blah, blah, blah. But the way he started last year, um, I almost think he's the number two, then Anderson, uh, and then Baraki, and then possibly Thornton at the moment. Um, you know, that's not good enough. There's no question about that. That's not good enough. Need to sign at least one more starter and maybe two, uh, but uh, but we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. That's my prediction so far. How about you? You know, I I agree with you completely. I think that's the exact rotation I am big on Ryan Barucki this year. My recommendation to you is don't pick him in fantasy. I know there were a couple of people that did because of my opinion on him and that he got hurt. 
He's an injury liability. He's had elbow problems in the past. Don't pick Ryan Baraki in fantasy, but I think that's exactly what the rotation is going to look like. And finally, just to wrap this topic up, who is their go-to if a man goes down from Triple A Buffalo? Oh, that's a good question. I mean, Charlie Montoya has already come out and said Nate Pearson won't make Well, he hasn't said that. He has said vaguely that he has the chance to break the, the rotation uh, out of camp. But we all know that's probably not going to be the case. Does that make him the first guy out of the gate if somebody goes down? I hope so. I think he's pretty much ready, um, and he may be the first guy out of the gate. Uh, if that's not the case, I would expect the Jays to sign a bunch of minor league deals before the offseason is out that uh, we'll have some guys down there that can make a spot start or two. Uh, and, and that name I don't have for you right now because we don't have that signing in place. So uh, I would have expected if it's not Pearson, it would be one of those guys that I'm sure will get signed. Okay, uh, not Anthony Kay or TJ Zoik? Potentially Kay, uh, not Zoic, I don't think. Needs more seasoning, uh, in my opinion. I think that, uh, that Kay, though, had some experience, obviously, with the uh, Major League Buzzers with Sony Zoic, but uh, not, not really a lot. It's really a cup of coffee. And, you know, I think Kay is closer. Um, and I think, yeah, barring any, any minor league deals that they feel could be possibly an advantage to them, uh, yeah, I think you can see Kay being the first one on the game, too. I think Pearson comes up not based on an injury, I think they give him a month and a half in the minor leagues, a month in the minor leagues, and then they bring him up. I think Anthony K right now is my go-to guy um, to come up if there is an injury. Moving on to potential trade targets. Well, recently it's been announced that a couple of guys were placed on the trading block as the Yankees said to be looking to deal Jay Hat and the Red Sox, David Price. Is trading something the Blue Jays want to do and are in a position to do? And if so, which one of the two guys or other should they target? I think they're open to trades. I mean, anything you hear them talking about is they're exploring both avenues. But I think when you hear uh, Ross Adkins and Mark Shapiro talk, they ideally would rather have free agent signings than, than trades just because you don't really want to get rid of some of the strong talent that's on its way up or already here. Um, and most teams are going to ask for that strong talent. That's going to be the first thing they're looking for. And so uh, you, you probably want to try and avoid as many trades as possible at this point. Uh, that said, there's a lot of catching depth that, that there's been some interest in out there that they could maybe use. Uh, but, uh, but again, I don't, I don't foresee it being more than one or two trades. I think most of what gets done this offseason is done through free agency, especially with the payroll rule. Yes, I would. I would assume so too. I don't think they're going to trade for a starting pitcher unless it's top tier talent. They have guys that they are willing to trade. Um, let's get into the other signings. Final segment of this week's episode. Um, we'll get into potential catching targets uh, for the Blue Jays momentarily. But Kevin Gosman signed to the San Francisco Giants, and thoughts on the deal as well as whether he can reinvent himself in the bullpen and why any pitcher would ever want to play under Gabe Kapler. Well, I thought that, uh, you know, I thought that was an interesting deal. I thought that the Blue Jays maybe even were going to take a shot at, at Gosman, but didn't. Um, no, it's a good deal. I, I mean, it's nothing that's going to jump out on uh, San Francisco's uh, uh, radar, I don't think, other than, you know, it's it's good for them. It's going gonna, it's gonna to make them okay. And so, uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know what your opinion on that deal is, but I, I don't see it as a major Anyway. No, I don't see it as a major deal either, but I just don't understand why any pitcher would ever want to go to a team managed by Gabe, by Gabe Kapler. I'm not sure that I've ever seen anybody worse at uh, at signing, or sorry, at managing a bullpen. Um, 
and I believe that Lindblom, I'm not sure who Lindblom is, <laughs> signed a deal. Breaking with, news on 211 with Baseball Talk. It looks like Lindblom is getting a uh, Brewers deal of about $9.1 million for three years. And, and Ben Nicholson-Smith reporting that the Blue Jays have made a significant offer for, for Lindblom himself as well. Um, so good for the Brewers to uh, get that done. And yet another pitcher missed out on. Is he a pitcher? He is a pitcher. He no, is a he's, a he's a player. He's a relief pitcher. Read your position. Josh Lindblom. The Jays were uh, reported to make a significant offer on him. He did not play in 2019. That's why we don't know the name. And I'm not crazy. ESPN's telling me the same thing. According to them, at least. And I could be wrong. They could be wrong. He did not play in 2019, but he signs with the Brewers for three years and $9 million. Uh, Didi Gregorius, one year, and Zach Wheeler, five years, signed with the Phillies. How important is that Wheeler signing out? They have a one-two punch with Aaron Nola and Zach Wheeler. Uh, I think that there's a uh, big one-two punch there. I, again, I don't know that these are the biggest deals that we're going to see. I mean, Zach Wheeler's a pretty big deal. Five years, $118 yeah. Yeah, no, million. Good deal. It's a good deal. And, uh, but again, I don't think it's a hugely significant deal for their overall results and where they're going to end up at the end of the season. But again... Anytime you can add that kind of depth, anytime you can add that kind of talent to your team, obviously you want to make sure you can keep it. I would definitely not consider Zach Wheeler depth. I, I consider him to look like a young Pittsburgh Garrett Cole. I think that Garrett Cole, when he was in Pittsburgh, looks a lot like current Zach Wheeler. Uh, a lot of He throws really hard. He's got a wicked breaking ball. He can't really control his stuff yet. If the Phillies can figure him out, if the Phillies can get him to uh, get his mechanics right, make sure he's got better control, I think Zach Wheeler could become a Garrett Cole and could be an absolute steal for the Phillies. That is only if their pitching or their coaching staff is able to uh, work with him enough so that he can really uh, calm his stuff down, calm his movements down, and really work well on the mound. Because we saw flashes of being really, really good for Zach during the regular season with the Mets. He was never able to keep that consistency up, and of course he was an injury liability. I think if the Phillies can figure him out, he will be an absolute stud in that rotation. Okay, and the Cole Calhoun uh, market is solidifying between Blue Jays, Reds, Brewers, and Marlins, according to John Morosi. Uh, thoughts on the outfielder and the Jays' uh, potential there. He's coming off a career-high 33 home run season with the Angels. Is Cole Calhoun a good fit for the Blue Jays? To me, at the moment, yes. I would say on a one- or two-year deal. Calhoun, obviously, we just heard it there. He can hit home runs. That's about all he can really do. He's a good defender. That he's got a crazy arm, but he cannot hit to save his life. He can hit 33, he can hit bombs, but he is one of the worst average hitters in baseball. To me, he is a seventh spot hitter or a sixth spot hitter. He's got that power that can surprise you if you're a pitcher. And of course, hitting uh, 33 home runs in the AL West is nothing to sneeze at. He can't hit for average. He's a very good defender, and he's got a very strong arm. So that's a plus. And right now, I think that the starting outfield next year is Guriel. Richard Calhoun, if they can sign him, of course, nothing has been official yet. No, nothing official, just that he's uh, sort of narrowed down to those teams, so we'll see what happens. But, uh, uh, again, this is where Ross Atkins and, and Mark Shapiro are going to have to be more aggressive, and uh, if they want to land somebody like that, they're going to have to pay more than everybody else. I mean, that sounds rudimentary, I know, but that's just not what they've been doing. So uh, they just have to realize that that's the way they're going to come to uh, Next up, Wei Che Huan signed with the Texas Rangers. Does that make them the ALS favorite? <laughs> it does not, and moving on. Uh, Alex Avila signed a one-year deal with the Twins, of course, in the Diamondbacks last year. Some people expected him to go back to his dad in Detroit. 
Adam Jones went to Japan. He is done with his MLB career. He's off to the Japanese Professional Baseball League. How sad is it to see him leave the MLB? Well, it's very sad. Adam Jones has been a great, um, uh, a great contribution to the MLB. Obviously, uh, his personality and the, and the different things he's contributed uh, socially as well, with some of his giving back, uh, but also what he's obviously contributed to the game and to the history of the Baltimore Orioles franchise. It's been huge. Uh, so good luck to him in Japan, and, uh, and MLB will miss him, that's for sure. Now, Yasmani Grandal signed a contract with the White Sox. This is where I was going to talk about catching targets. The White Sox had James McCann, who was a very solid all-star catcher last year, but they still went out and signed the superior catcher in Yasmani Grandal. Do you think the Jays acquire or attempt to acquire James McCann at around 300, hit 15, 20 home runs last year, has proven that he can do that and is a very solid option behind the plate? Or do they stick with Jano and McGuire? Well, I think they stick with Jano and McGuire. I don't see them hitting the catching market in any way unless something falls in their lap. Um, I do agree that maybe you need some experience back there in some way, but, um, you know, I don't think Jano did anything bad on the defensive side of things. I think he was pretty good. He called a good game. Um, I think McGuire did the same thing. So from a defensive perspective, I don't think you're going to see any problems with those two behind the dish. What I do see is potentially the offensive issues, although McGuire, again, had a better year than uh, Jano did. So we'll see. I think now that Jansen has another full year coming ahead of him to uh, to learn the pitching staff, to work with the pitching staff, I think he can take his focus off of learning everybody and learning how to call a game and maybe work on some hitting a little bit more, and we can really see Dan Jansen blossom into a great player. This season, I picture it as being his breakout year if he is going to have one. If not, I don't see Jano turning things around. I think he... If he doesn't have a big year this year, I think he's maybe a uh, backup catcher on those teams. Tommy Pham traded to the Padres and Hunter Renfro and a slap stick prospect, as Blake Snell put it. He didn't say stick, but I cannot say that word without making this podcast explicit. Uh, he went to the Rays. Thoughts on the deal? What are the Rays doing? I'm a Rays fan. I'm not a fan of this. Uh, <laughs> did funny. you catch what I did there, Dylan? Yes, I did. It yes. was very unfunny. I am not, but if I'm not a fan of it, I'm not a fan of it. Uh, and did you catch that I did that two more times? I did. Yes, I did. Okay. Uh, anyway, I don't think that this is a good one. I, I, don't, I don't like this deal. Um, I don't know what the Rays are up to, but the Rays always confuse me. Um, obviously, for the Padres, I, I think this is a great acquisition. I think that's huge for them. But uh, but what are the Rays up to? I mean, what do you think here? The, the Rays, you know, they're coming off a year where they, they made the playoffs, um, and now they're getting rid of a Tommy Pham. That just seems odd to me, but uh, what do you think? Interesting. I don't understand it because Pham is a better defender than Hunter Renfro is in the outfield. That's for sure. I think Renfro hits more home runs. Pham hits for a better average. The slapstick prospect that Blake's now referred to, he's actually number 73 on the MLB top prospects list. So they didn't give Pham up cheap, but I don't understand it. Especially, and I know that this happened before Garrett Cole was signed, but with Garrett Cole coming into your division, Tommy Pham being an average and power hitter on occasion, I don't see why you don't keep Tommy Pham in your lineup. I don't like this deal for the Rays. I think that it definitely favors the Padres for now. We'll see with that. We'll see if that prospect turns into anything down the road, and he probably will because it's the Tampa Bay Rays. Finally, last signing of the episode, last segment of the episode, Will Smith, not the one from Fresh Prince to the <laughs> Atlanta Braves because he would be going to Philadelphia. But anyway, Will Smith to the Atlanta Braves, big, solid back-end arm, big lefty. Is that 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 is huge for them because they've had some troubles in the bullpen. In the past, does this make them NLE's favorites, or is it still far too close to call? 
Well, he did save the world from aliens, so he's going <laughs> to save the Atlanta Braves. And I think that, uh, no, that's not true. I don't think he's going to save the Atlanta Braves, but I think it's a good move for them. Uh, quick question before we wrap up, Dylan. Uh, what was the initial and best dad joke of season two, episode one today? Was it the fam joke? Was it gobbledygook? Or was it my just most recent alien joke about Will Smith? Uh, I think they were all subpar at best. Uh, <laughs> Which most dad jokes are. Gobbledygook was just, well, I, don't, I didn't understand I'm bringing it, it back, Dylan. I'm bringing I it back. It's a 1926 it. phrase that is coming back in 2020. Brand new decade on its way. Gobbledygook will be the phrase of the decade. I uh, I have serious reason to doubt that. <laughs> uh, I did enjoy Will Smith, the aliens thing. I thought that was funny and not a fan of this. It was funny the first time, not the other 17. Thank you all very much for tuning into this episode. We will see you all next Thursday for our second episode of season two, number 46 overall. And that's all for us.